Yo, what's good podcast? I don't, I don't have all the answers. I hope if you've listened to this uh, podcast before, I'm simply sharing my experiences through my own training in racing and through the athletes that we coach at Evoke Bike. This is Brendan with Evoke Bike. We, I, I find this one so interesting, and it's a topic of conversation that I've had with a few people, and it's all about FTP. Now, if you listen to the Larry Warbass interview, he made the comment, he's like, dude, my FTP hasn't changed in so long. It's just his depth. And I had on the other spectrum, an athlete that I was talking to who is much newer to training, very green in terms of formal training, who had said, you know, my FTP hasn't changed since we started working together. But the biggest thing I've noticed and the thing that you talk about is if I go do a 20 minute effort, I'm way less crushed. And then oddly, if I'm in like a group ride scenario, those hard surges, they don't take as much out of me. And I'm not like crippled by the one four minute hill that we, you know, max blast during a Wednesday night world ride. You become, you can become such a much more durable rider, but no doubt, we all want to see these increases in FTP. I think at some point they level off. Um, it's tough. There's a range. It's And there's an opportunity cost to everything that you do. Like if you only focus on FTP, you probably won't be as good at the VO2 max efforts. And if you don't do VO2 max, you're not going to help your FTP as much as you can. And when you do one workout, you can't do the other workout. This guy, I did a race against at Carter County Omnium, aka the Roan Grown Road Race. Stephen Bassett was there from Rally with Nate Brown. There were some freaking hitters. First internet showed up. Um, how hard was the race? I mean, first internet is one of the squads. They tried to pull everything back at the end, and I think their guys just blew up from the effort. Um, none of them were in the final group. That I'm not dissing first internet. I'm just showing how hard this race was. I knew I wouldn't be able to climb with those guys. And if you listen to my race recap, I got away with four or five guys. I got shelled at the like the bottom of the climb. Basically, it was just smoked with Will Harden from Project Echelon. Um, Michael Bissett, who kudos local North Carolina guy got caught with only one K to go, but I got an email from this athlete and we were talking about, he's this very anaerobic guy, huge FRC more than he needs. Probably, um, huge P max, even bigger P max, almost 1800 and had like a 325 ish FTP. And he just, he had made the comment like, dude, I'm just not there. He's like, I read your race recap and like, he's like, I just feel like I need a bigger motor. And and he's a patient person, which is good, but I understand where he's coming from. Like he's definitely stronger than he was the year before, but he's coming to a race where Rally's there. Project Echelon is there. Uh, they only had, a, they had maybe three or four guys. First internet is there. Um, I was rolling solo. Owen Schott was there. He was solo. I mean, there was a ton of really talented people there. And so what this athlete's trying to do is get on the podium of some of these bigger races. And it's frustrating when you keep going and you're you're getting close, 
but like the pieces just hadn't come together. And so I want to talk about what we did because I just find this very interesting and I want people's feedback on this because this depth and becoming a more resilient rider, there's no metric to show that. We've talked with Cody Stevenson in that podcast showing repeatability. It's very hard to show an athlete their improvement in repeatability. Um, you can look at my metrics, prob- my you know, watts per kg, that chart sucks. I'm actually, I almost want to stop using it with people because it's very... It's misleading if they don't look deeper. If you show someone like, hey man, you've got amazing one-off five-minute power, that doesn't mean anything at the end of a three-hour road race, let alone if you're a cat one-two and you're doing a four-hour road race. Like, man, yeah. So what we were talking about is, and I apologize if this podcast is a little, like I'm looking through some of these old emails because I want to paint this picture. Um... The, the athlete, so on Tuesday after the race, the race was back in June 5th, he said, thinking back, I never really felt like I was about to be dropped until the last climb, but I knew I couldn't do anything after that, if that makes sense. Anytime there were climbs and people on the front pushed, it hurt, but it wasn't the, oh my God, I'm about to be dropped kind of pain. I've definitely been there before. Maybe the best way to describe it was that I felt like I was along for the ride, but not really racing. I mean, it's great motivation and less frustrating than being in the position where I should have won and it was just being like scared of crashing or something bad happening, but I want to compete with those guys and I feel like my numbers need to be higher so that I'm chilling in the draft and going up threshold instead of sitting in endurance and then going into high VO2. In your race recap, you mentioned you got brought back and you were chilling before your super long break. There were definitely chill parts, but on the whole, I wouldn't describe it as chilling. I don't expect to be there right now, but I just know that's where I need to get to. Um, And yes, it was a super deep feel, which is great. And you also forgot that Mike's Bikes guys were there too. Um, And then we talk about... Uh, he says, I don't expect to get the best of Stephen Bassett, even nine out of 10 or 19 out of 20 times. But if I'm just going to mix it up in races, but if I'm going to mix it up in races with fields like this, the aerobic fitness needs to go up a notch. And that's a huge point because he's not as much of an aerobic rider as other people. And so I was saying I totally agree. I think that if we could get your FTP up to 350 versus 325, you know, that's a stout change, but it will have big implications. Um, You know, one thing is I don't really look at metric goals. I don't think they're very race specific, but like if this guy was able to push four watts a kg for like three hours, he's doing about three and a half now at this time of this email. That would help, but I but you got to be careful, right? Like just going out and trying to peg four watts per kg for three hours is not going to get you in the race. Those surges are going to cripple you. We heard Jens Reinders talk about this in his podcast where he went and was focusing too much on long power. And I will tell you 100%, and, I, and I'm going to make a video about this in particular I was at a point a few years ago when I was getting into gravel and doing like three by 45 minute low threshold efforts, thinking that was going to make me fast over the long duration of gravel stuff. And it really blunted me. Uh, my racing that spring was not great. And 
You know, I call it low threshold. I know everyone wants to call it sweet spot. The reason I just want to get away from that is because sweet spot is marketed as the do all. It's marketed as the quick fix. And that's just not, it's marketed as you don't need to do long rides. You just need to ride sweet spot. You don't need to do threshold efforts. You just need to do sweet spot and you just need to do go longer at sweet spot. I think long sweet spot is really good for people that are going to do a grand fondo that has really long climbs just like that. And I think my mistake in coaching is that I got so averse to sweet spot because of how over prescribed it was that I need to get back into giving it to the athletes that number one, do something like Leadville. And number two, do something like Grand Fondos where it's like climb, descend, climb, descend, climb, descend. Um, I'm not perfect and I'm going to have my own biases. And that's why I do a lot of like questionnaires with athletes. What are you missing? What does this event entail? What is the main goal? This is why we plan so much so that we don't both get stuck in the weeds. Okay. So now back to this athlete. So I said, uh, and he had asked the question, hey, we've been doing some over-unders and I understand the point of lactate clearance. Are these better than the more traditional steady state intervals or are they just different? So, uh, you know, again, I've mentioned this before. My coach Tom got me more into doing over-unders and I have personally found them to be so beneficial when riding around FTP. Those surges, you're never riding at exactly 100%, right? And those little surges over and those and the unders, I have definitely become better at clearing lactate. And I'm my efforts where I could attack at like 120% and then fall on the threshold at amateur nationals, the Cat One Nationals, my end of the race move, it didn't work out, but it was a freaking awesome hand that I played. And getting kudos for that move from other racers felt extremely good. I I really walked away from that race. Like I did what I could do. My body performed the best that it's performed, especially in that heat down there. Um, I'm not, I'm not bragging here. I didn't win the race. (laughs) Bragging gets, you no awards. I just want to highlight that that worked and it's really hard to track because over unders, you're not saying, Oh, I did X Watts for Y duration. So which do we do and how do we present this to athletes? You know, I've had athletes that have left before because they're like, my my FTP hasn't improved. It hasn't gone up in the past six months. I'm like, but dude, you're doing two or three of these efforts. That's not cool to talk about at the water cooler at work. That's not cool to post on, you know, your social media or your, your Strava page. Like, hey, my FTP is the same, but I can do more of these efforts. Like, repeatability. What can you do at the end of the race? It's just not cool, but winning races is, and that's, what's going to help you win. My FTP has been within 400 to 420 Watts for the past, however many years. And when it's been a little bit lower, my VO2 max power has probably been a little bit higher, or maybe I overdid a little bit of my anaerobic training before, and that pushed it down a little bit. When it was a little bit higher, I might not have been as good at the uh, attacks and the FRC work over threshold. It's all a balance of turning the dials. So what I said back to this guy, I said, hey, man, this is theoretically to improve your equation, creating lactate and then forcing the body to clear it around 75 to 90% of FTP is going to make it so that you clear lactate more efficiently. 
So then when you do have the aforementioned steady state type task at hand, you can go a bit harder since you're clearing it faster. Obviously, you're never really riding just at exactly 100%. And it's those little surges above that we need to handle more effectively. All that said, I want to start bringing in some straight up steady state intervals because if we don't do them, we never really ride the red line that often, which from a mental side of things is also very important to do. I really appreciate your thoughts on this. Remember, I, I think this is a great thing to remember all the time. There, You can only do so many workouts. Um, you got to choose the best workouts that are for you for attacking the weaknesses and strengthening the strengths that are important for your events. So this was back in June. So what we ended up doing was we had finished some lactate clearance work, the over-unders. We had done actually a few sprint workouts for some of these crits he had coming up. Uh, Took a rest week. We went into threshold bursts and VO2 max workouts. The threshold bursts I still love because they're working the VO2 max side of the equation from a longer standpoint, starting with like four by eight, doing four by tens. You're getting, they're almost like doing other over-unders, but the under is not really under. And I think that's really good. That is riding with faster people. I've heard many other coaches and high-level athletes talk about these. I'm not creating, I'm not recreating the wheel and inventing this. It is something that has a word for me year over year. It was one of the top three workouts I put in a blog post. I still stand behind that. Um... That being said, my coach doesn't have me do them much. I am, I have, I'm riding fantastically well. This goes to what Larry Warbest said. There's so many ways to do this. So I think the reason we did these though for this athlete is very specific in that he needs to have those, uh, since he's racing guys that are definitely faster, those surges above and then coming down to what his 100% is. His 100% is not going to be 100% for me in a race. I'm just stronger than him right now. I've been riding way longer. So then after that, we went and we did um, uh, the 6 by 6 I'll get into this now a little bit more in detail that I mentioned in the previous podcast. 6 by 6 and 4 So it's 6 by 6 minutes at 105 to 110%, then recovered endurance. Then he did a threshold burst workout long endurance on the weekend he then did a six by six with two minutes rest and then he went and went after a 35 minute max effort let me get his exact watts because he said a lifetime pr max i did 35 minutes at what was this let's see if he hit the timer because i only have it preset for uh 338 watts for 35 minutes <laughs> the last 20 so he said a 20 through 40 minute lifetime pr now the interesting thing is he actually did this on the trainer so since he doesn't have big frc uh numbers on the trainer wko was like your ftp is 355 we know that that's not true because his p max on the trainer is only 1350 watts whereas when you look at everything uh, if you were to look at just him on his bike outdoors, his Pmax is 1800. When you combine everything um, and kind of blend outdoor and indoor, his Pmax is 1770. FRC is 18. I think it's probably a little bit higher, and it puts his MFTP at 330. I don't think that's accurate because 
he just crushed 340 for 35 minutes. And if you were to use older model ways of looking at FTP before we really took on the anaerobic contribution of Watts, you could make a case for making his FTP 345. So I said, hey man, this is a little aggressive. Instead of setting it at like 335, let's bump it up to 340. So we're now just 10 watts off the big goal of 350 for him. And hopefully that even, you know, I want him to tell me, do are some of the workouts coming across as too hard because of this slightly higher FTP than he might be at? We're, we're splitting hairs here though. I mean, five watts, 10 watts. It's impossible to get it. It's going to change with the training. But my point being, how do we approach this with athletes? Because it's easier. The lactate clearance and the VO2 max intervals that did not, that are not like, hey, here's your improvement in your 20 minute power somehow allowed him, quote unquote, magically, he just had a 20 to 40 minute lifetime PR. Clearly that worked. Clearly the threshold burst worked. Clearly doing the six by six minute efforts, the it's, it's another version of over-unders. That worked. So three blocks of training that he just roasted this. Now it also might have given him more mental confidence. I mean, I just find this so interesting. So while he admitted before, like, hey, I feel like I'm getting stronger. I know the long endurance works big time for me. We all want to see numbers improve. Um... If you're not seeing the FTP improve, you know, as an athlete, it's some, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm I'm pausing here because I'm thinking, you know, sometimes you just got to have, it's not faith. You, if an athlete knows they are becoming more durable and that's not, um, acceptable to them. I think we need to be open and having the conversation of like, why are you so concerned over the FTP when you're clearly stronger? Like, is it just a vanity thing that you need? And this isn't knocking people. Like, again, I said, we all want to see numbers go up. But this case of this guy now setting a lifetime PR over a massive duration of time, it sort of validates the process of science and, you know, the workouts that were all using to improve upon I guess my biggest question is like where do you use steady state intervals which I don't think attack the fit okay let me say this differently steady state intervals are easier to track right your 20 minute power went up on this one your 20 minute power went down but I don't think that's physiologically changing you as much as something that's harder to track and harder to show an athlete like an over-under Okay, it's also harder to show them, hey, your work on this five by five minute or VO2 max workout or this variable power VO2 max workout or these threshold bursts like threshold bursts. I'm not telling them to go average a certain amount of watts. I'm saying go ride at 98 to 105 percent and burst 98 to 105% and burst. And I don't really average it out and say, oh, look, because some bursts could be higher than others. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to skew the average. I don't think tracking average week to week is showing your improvement. It's so how do you as an athlete absorb this, knowing that you might be able to change your physiology more with things that are less trackable? I just find this super interesting because 
I want athlete. It, it's maybe I'm a fool. I, I blindly follow Jason Hillemeyer, who's an amazing coach. And I just believed that what he was doing was the right thing for me. And I was doing well in races. You know, my FTP wasn't changing a ton after I got past the newbie gains. Like I started at 350, it got to 375, it went to 390. And then I've been at 400 plus or minus for a really long time. As I've talked about, I really look to improve my ability to handle surges and doing VO2 max work. Tom's really helped me with doing more lactate clearance work and looking at physiology a little bit differently. Um, and I've always done long endurance stuff. That's the biggest thing that's been the best part of my training, big miles. So I just, yeah, super, just a, I don't know, case study. I just find this stuff interesting, wanted to share it. And, um, if you have any thoughts, email me, Brendan at Evoke Bike. How do you manage steady state versus rides that might be better for you physiologically, but harder to track? Um, If you're a coach, how do you show that to athletes? Or is it just a conversation and they have to have that understanding of endurance sports that we want to track everything perfectly, but we can't. And I think some athletes have a hard time accepting that. So long pod. See ya.